We're closing out our 10 most important players to the future of the Buffalo Bills series with my personal ballot and general thoughts on the project today on Locked on Bills. You are Locked on Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, the last two days on this podcast has been us working through the consensus top 10 most important players to the future of the Buffalo Bills. On Tuesday, we had the panel come through and we debuted who the list was. And then yesterday was this follow-up opportunity for me to ask some questions to the panel about unique things about their ballot and uh, general thoughts on the project. Today is my day. Today's my opportunity to share my personal ballot, to share my thoughts on the project, my biggest takeaways. And so I hope that you are excited to hear that, but also put all of this to rest after today. This is a, a really fun series that we do every single year. The feedback has been incredible. The panel was awesome once again. And so this will be a staple of our calendar every May. And uh, glad that we did it once again. It's very thought-provoking. I hope that at some point throughout this entire conversation, you've taken the time to consider how you would stack up the top 10 most important players to the future of the Bills. And you can see that it's challenging, it's thought-provoking, and in a lot of different ways it's enlightening because you could really gain some perspective on what this team has. And I'll be honest with you, when I started doing this this year, I got it down to 15, and then I got it down to 12, and it was really hard to go from 12 to 10. And so let's start with giving giving you my actual ballot, and then we'll continue the conversation from there. So my number one player was Josh Allen. There's not a whole lot to say here. He's the franchise quarterback. He's one of the faces of the entire NFL. He's one of the best players in the entire NFL. As Josh goes, so does the Bills, right? I mean, he's that dude. And, I mean, he's that important, right? It's not, to me, it's cut and dry. There's nothing really interesting to say here. He's clearly the number one choice. Now it gets a little more interesting. And number two, I do have Stefan Diggs. What he's been able to do with Josh Allen in his first three seasons with the team has been remarkable. We've never seen this type of production ever in the history of the team. When it comes to a wide receiver, um, he's really been hand-in-hand hand there with Josh and Josh's ascension to being one of the elite players in the entire NFL. I dread the idea that Stefan Diggs isn't available for this football team, right? If you were to have some type of injury and wasn't able to play, that concerns me a ton, right? You can really rely on him. He's been available. He's been productive at all levels of the field. He's a do-everything, legit number one receiver, one of the best in the league. And um, I think his ability to produce for years to come is 
Not something I have many questions about. I think he can be this type of player for several more seasons. And when I, I think about this, generally, it's a three-year sample size. And so the future in the NFL is somewhat short, right? And so when I was really stacking these players, I thought about a three-year window starting with this season. And I think Steph Diggs is going to be everything that he was the previous three seasons over the next three seasons. And if that's the case, his presence and his impact is quite valuable. At number three, maybe this is a surprise to some of you, but I had Von Miller at number three. I know that he's 34 years old. I know that he tore his ACL last year. But we saw what he meant to this defense in 2022 when he was available. And then when he wasn't available, we also saw what that impact looked like. Von Miller, in the 11 games that he played for the Bills, was everything Brandon Bean signed him to be. Key pressures in critical moments, was monumental against Kansas City. I mean, he was that dude. He was that game changer. He was the closer. And my goodness, do I hate that we couldn't see his impact the rest of the way, especially in the playoffs. And he's a little bit out of sight, out of mind right now, but not for me. I'm very excited for him to get back. I'm very excited for him to get back and making the type of impact that he was before he got injured. And he needs to. The Bills are tied to Von Miller for at least two more seasons, maybe longer. And the reality here is that him being that player that Brandon Bean signed him to be for the duration of his time on the Bills is critical. He's the game-changing defensive player for this football team. And his impact, his value, his presence is incredibly valuable. And so Von Miller, for me, I had to put him at number three. And even with what the Bills did this offseason with the restructure of his contract, it further ties him to the team. So, yeah, he's 34, but he's going to be around for probably at least at least two or three more seasons. And so I didn't discount Von Miller because of his age. He needs to get back on the field for this football team and get back to making the impact that we saw when he was healthy. And number four for me is Tredavious White. Tredavious White's one heck of a football player, folks. And I know it's been a little bit of time before we've seen vintage Trey White. Tore his ACL Thanksgiving 2022. Missed a bunch of time, came back and found his footing a little bit along the way last year, but he wasn't necessarily fully back to being the Trey White that we remember. But when Trey White's healthy, he's one of the best defensive playmakers in the league. And that dude has the ability to take away the football. Key takeaways in critical moments. That's really been what Trey White's delivered since he's been a member of the football team is critical takeaways in critical moments. And him getting back to that is huge. Really huge, especially now that Tremaine Edmonds isn't part of the mix and you're going to rely a little bit more probably on your corners and how you space the field on defense. Trey White has proven to us that he's an elite NFL corner, and him getting back to that is absolutely critical for the future of this football team. And so he's handsomely paid. We know what he's capable of, and him getting back to that is huge. And number five for me was Deion Dawkins, the Bills' left tackle. You know, Deion Dawkins has quietly just become an absolute stalwart at the position. 
Seven, he's entering his seventh season as the Bills' starting left tackle. He's been a pro bowler each of the last two seasons. He signed for a couple more seasons. I think surely he'll be a guy that gets a third contract with the team. A lot of personality, a lot of impact. A player that I feel really comfortable as Josh Allen's blindside protector. And one thing about Deion Dawkins is that he hasn't had much stability next to him at right guard. I mean, I'm not sure the Bills have had the same primary player year over year yet next to him. And that puts a lot more on his plate, right? And so obviously a critical position left tackle. The Bills have a highly paid player that's been productive, that's been reliable, and that's going to be on this team for several years to come. And I think he's continuing to perform at a at a pretty high level at the position. And so rounding out my top five is Deion Dawkins. So at number one, I had Josh Allen, and the panel had him at number one. At number two, I had Stefan Diggs, which is exactly where the panel consensus average together have him. At number three, I had Von Miller. The panel had him at six. At number four, I had Trey White. The panel had him at number seven. And at number five, I had Deion Dawkins, and the panel had him at number four. All right, so we have uh, the back half of my ballot to get to and a bunch of different thoughts that I have about the project coming up in just a moment. But first, I do need to tell you about Built Bar. And I just actually ate one before the uh, the recording of this podcast. I had the the Animal Cookie Bar. It's one of the limited release flavors. They actually just announced a, a, a red velvet cake puff, and, and I went ahead and ordered three boxes of those. So, well, check them out. These are the best-tasting protein bars on the planet. They're healthy, and they're delicious. They come in great flavors like red velvet cake and animal cookie and uh, peanut butter puff and brownie batter. So many great flavors. They're all delicious. It's like eating a candy bar, but they're good for you. They're low-calorie. They're low-sugar. They're high in protein. In fact, this bar right here, 17 grams of protein, 140 calories, 5 grams of sugar. You can't beat that, and it tastes so good. So check them out. Head on over to Built.com. Use our promo code LOCKDOWN15. That's what I did. I use it just like I want you to use it. LOCKDOWN15. That'll get you 15% off your next order. You can also pick up a box off the shelf at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Folks, try them out. You'll thank us later. All right, so I want to work through the rest of my ballot, but first I would also like to share with you something new that I'm making available for the listeners of this podcast, and that is our subtext community. I'd like to invite you to join the Locked on Bills subtext community. It's something new that we're offering, and there's going to be a link to join the subtext community in the show notes for today. So you can click that link and sign up uh, for the subtext community. Here's what you get. Well, you get the opportunity to text with me so we can have one-on-one text conversations about the Buffalo Bills. You want to continue the conversations that we're having on this podcast. You want to ask questions, whatever you want. I'm available for you uh, with one-on-one text message conversations. Um, I will also make sure that if you have a herd mentality question, it is a priority for the show. So if you have herd mentality items, you can, of course, email them or DM them to me on Twitter. But also, if you're part of the subtext community, send it to me through that. It'll be a priority for me to get you on the show. We'll have some exclusive content for you. Um, I'll give you some very regular Bill's musings texts, right? As I have random thoughts about the team, I'll send out mass messages to everybody. Um, I'll give you my first reaction to all major Bill's news. So if they make a move, something like that, I'm going to give you my first reaction through the subtext, and we're going to have some giveaways and other things just like that. So check out the subtext community. There's a link to join in today's show notes 
And I mentioned giveaways, so let's let's do a giveaway. How about that? Uh, so how about this? Everyone that joins or has joined, it's been live for a few weeks now, and I have a, a you know a few dozen people that have already joined. So if you've already joined, great, you're already entered. Uh, but if you join now, um, over the next week, so before May 25th. Uh, we'll enter you into a drawing. Everyone that joins the subtext community will be entered into this drawing. And um, what you'll win is I'll, I'll give away a couple copies of my book or one of my books here, Go Bills. I'll give you a personalized free copy of the book. Send it right to your house. Uh, two people will win that. So join the subtext community. Sign up. A lot of perks. We're doing a giveaway. Should be fun and a great opportunity for us to continue this conversation. I love engaging with you guys. And this is a very easy way for us to do that through text messaging. So again, a link in the show notes for today's episode. All right, so let's get back to the ballot here. This is where it kind of gets fun, where you got to get to the the nitty gritty, the back five. Uh, So for me at number six, I had Matt Milano. The panel had him at number three, which was one of the big surprises from the entire project is that Matt Milano went from not ranked all the way to number three. And obviously, with Tremaine Edmonds being gone, I mean, Matt Milano has been a really good player for the Bills and a really reliable starter, had an all-pro season last year, but now he's that guy on the second level where he's the vet, right? He's the the player that's been around, and he's going to be playing next to somebody that really hasn't, to be honest with you. And so what he does as a matchup player is huge. Uh, if you guys remember, I can't stop thinking back to this is – the conversation the year that Matt Milano was kind of banged up, missed a lot of time, and then all of a sudden the Bills couldn't cover tight ends and they were giving up all this production to tight ends. And then everything before that and everything after that, the Bills really haven't struggled guarding tight ends. Well, that's that's about Matt Milano. That's the matchup upside that he brings. And obviously, um, you know, his ability to shoot gaps and play downhill and play in space is really special. We wish he didn't miss so many tackles, but I think that's some of the give and take that, it, that comes with Matt Milano, uh, obviously an impact player. And, uh, you know, he's he's increasingly now important for this football team with um, him having a new running mate at middle linebacker. So number six for me, number three for the panel. And number seven for me is Gregory Rousseau. The panel had him at number five. And um, he's the type of defensive lineman that you look at right now, right? There's Von Miller. And then, okay, who's the other defensive lineman that the Bills have that you feel like can really be an impact playmaking defensive lineman? and you quickly get to, to to Greg Russo. He's the guy that can really be a game wrecker. Obviously, the run defense is outstanding. Love the growth as a pass rusher from year one to year two. He's still really young. I, I got it written down right here. I got to check. Was he 23? Greg Rousseau is 23 years old. He's got two seasons under his belt. Dalton Kincaid right now is 23 years old and has never played in the NFL. Rousseau has two seasons under his belt. Um, I, I'm really excited about the upside here and him to take another step and and be an impact playmaker for this football team. And him doing that would mean a lot for the defense. So I have him at number seven. The panel had him at number five. At number eight, I have Kyer Elam, the Bills cornerback, second-year player. The panel had him at number 10. And I was glad that Kyer Elam made this list because we saw in – in spots, his ability to really make an impact. I mean, the playoff game against Miami, absolutely critical plays, one interception, some key tackles. And um, I feel like he's a guy that is playing or is going to play a lot more free and a lot more loose next year. And uh, this past season, I thought he was a little rigid, not necessarily with the way he played, but just the mindset, like really kind of overthought things. And if he can uh, slow down, be a little bit more 
uh, reactionary, not thinking so much. I think he can really be an impact player. The ball skills are really, really good. The athleticism is really, really good. And um, he can pair with Trey White and give this this team a really, really exciting pair of cornerbacks, which is going to be important with what Miami offers in the passing game. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson and those guys now with the New York Jets. And, oh, of course, Joe Burrow and and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence and all these other friggin' good quarterbacks in the AFC. You better have some corners. And uh, Kyrie Elam and Trey White can give you a really formidable pair. And obviously there's a lot of upside with Kyrie Elam, who's a young player, only 22 years old, a lot of talent there to uh, unlock. Uh, at number nine, I had Dalton Kincaid. The panel had him at number eight, Bill's first round pick. And I've been pretty adamant about what I expect from Dalton Kincaid, and that's for him to be the number two option in this Buffalo Bills passing offense. And that's pretty doggone valuable, pretty important. Um, and so I had to make sure I had had a spot for Kincaid, who I think is going to be your new go-to answer in the slot, right? I mean, the Bills can get very creative with him uh, with their 11 and a half personnel packages, if you will. But him being that slot player, the guy that can separate quickly, guy that can work the middle of the field, is going to be huge for Josh Allen in so many ways, whether it's third downs, keeping the offense on schedule, the red zone. Um, I'm I'm going to stop short of calling him Cole Beasley in a tight end Zavadi, but I think he can, if you can imagine that and think about that type of impact, I think he can do it. Really, really polished receiving prospect with his route running, his hands, his body control, and his ball skills. And so... Uh, sign me up for Dalton Kincaid and the impact that I think he's going to have on this football team. Again, I had him at number nine, and uh, the panel had him at number eight. And so the last player that I had ranked is a player that didn't make the consensus top 10. And again, it was 11 ballots averaged together, and that's how we got the top 10. So this is a player that I voted for in my top 10 that didn't make it, and that's Dawson Knox. I had him at number 10. And then when you average everyone together, he finished at number 13 for the panel. And so the panel had Spencer Brown at number nine. That was the player that got in that I didn't have a vote for, which we'll talk about a little bit more here in just a moment. But yeah, I think, I think we have to still remember Dawson Knox and the fact that he's entering year one of a four year contract that pays him an average annual salary of $14 million a season. And so the bills need to still get a lot of value and production out of Dawson Knox. You know, I think that Dalton Kincaid's going to be the 100 target a year guy, but there still should be about 70 targets there for Dawson Knox. And what he can do as a blocker to free up Dalton Kincaid, uh, what he can do as a seam threat, as a, a really complete tight end in terms of what he can do as a blocker and a receiver. And he's handsomely paid. He's going to be around, and he needs to have an impact on this football team. And, and I think leaning into this 12 personnel heavy offense two tight ends, what you can do with that. Dawson Knox is still a centerpiece for this football team, despite Dalton Cade's presence and despite you know him being a first-round pick that we have high expectations for. And so uh, Dawson Knox and his presence and ability to make an impact is not lost on me, and I, I wanted to have him at number 10. And it was hard. It was hard to leave off some players, and I'll get to that in the next segment. Uh, but I, I felt like that contract, the, his age, it was it was too important for me um, to not include him, and I just feel like his presence really unlocks what they want to do with Dalton Kincaid. And the offense is best better when when Dawson Knox is involved. And this dude's made some big plays for this football team, like that game winning touchdown catch against Kansas City last year. 
That's a big deal, man. This guy's made some big time plays. And um, hopefully he does for a long time because I think he's very important to the future of this team. All right, so that's my ballot. Went through the whole thing. In the next segment here, in our closing segment, I want to give you some of my random thoughts about the project, the players that were hardest for me to leave off, my biggest surprises, some general thoughts. All that's coming your way after a very quick break. All right, let's get back to it here. I want to start the continuation of this conversation by telling you the two players that were hardest for me to leave off. Like I mentioned earlier, I got it down to 15, and then I got it down to 12, and then it got really hard to get it down to 10. And the two players that were hardest for me to leave off was, first of all, Taron Johnson. You know, Taron Johnson has been such a consistent player for this team as the starting slot corner. He's an every-down player. It's not like he's a sub-package defensive player. This is a starter. This is a critical piece to how they want to play defense. I mean, he's playing man coverage in the slot. He's playing zone. He's defending the run. He's got run-fit responsibilities. That's pretty uncommon for corners. I mean, in a lot of ways, he's a linebacker and a corner for this football team. And, you know, he's he's really important to the way that this team wants to play defense. And he's been a really impactful player. I mean, you can't you can't think of Taron Johnson without remembering some of the biggest moments over the last couple of years, whether it was the pick six against the Ravens in the playoffs, whether it was the game-winning interception against Kansas City in Kansas City last year. This guy's been a, a really good football player that means a lot to the operation overall. The other player that was the hardest for me to leave off was Spencer Brown at right tackle. And um, we'll talk a little bit more about him through a different lens in just a moment, but I'm a believer in the upside. I've I've really pounded the table for the physical traits that he offers. Um, I've talked a lot about his story and maybe why he's been inconsistent to this point, but there's a lot of ceiling there. And him realizing that ceiling, like I've mentioned many times, is as important of a dynamic as anything you could point to for the Buffalo Bills in 2023. If Spencer Brown becomes what I think he can become, there's few things that would matter more to this team. And so he was hard for me to leave off. And as a as an, an entire panel, we didn't leave him off. He made it. He, he made the list. And so uh, those are my two hardest to leave off, Taron Johnson and Spencer Brown. My biggest surprises in reflecting on this project, well, first of all, is not a single player, not a single person, 11 people who are intimately equated with the Buffalo Bills. None of us voted for Taron Johnson. So I had him at number 11, so I'm guilty here too. But I thought somebody would vote for this guy, and nobody did. I thought, I thought Anthony Prohaska would have voted for him, maybe Bruce Nolan. Nobody, not a single vote. It's tough. Do the do the project for yourself. It's it's hard, but he's certainly he's certainly worthy of of really knocking on the door and, and nobody voted for. Him. The other biggest surprise that I have is that not a single person voted for Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis, when we did this project last year, was number seven, and he was productive this past year. I mean, I know that I've went in on my concerns with Gabe and some of the limitations, but I think Gabe, if if the Bills will really embrace him as the number three option in this passing game and really utilize Kincaid like I think they should, I think Gabe Davis can get back to doing the things that I really appreciate about Gabe Davis and not being a 100-target-a-year player for this offense. But, I mean, in all likelihood, he's going to have the second-most targets this year, and nobody voted for him. 
So consider me a little bit surprised by that. I'm surprised that Ed Oliver only got a, one vote. He was in the top 10 of only one person's ballot. Um, he wasn't in mine, so you know, like I, I can't be critical, but it's something that surprises me. Entering a contract year could be a situation where we see a lot of production. I think a lot about Deron Payne with the Washington Commanders, and you look at his career, and he's he was a good player, um, but the sack production was just like okay, and then it's a contract year for him. He goes out and has 11 and a half sacks, and now he's paid like almost 20, or is he a little over $20 million a year at defensive tackle. Ed Oliver might just lose his mind this year, and and you know he's seeing his peers. He saw what uh, Jeffrey Simmons got. He saw what Dexter Lawrence got. We know what Quinton Williams is going to get. You know, could he could he really just go bananas this year and have a ton of sacks? It, it wouldn't surprise me. And he played hurt last year, right? I mean, we forget he was hurt in Week One and was never quite the player that we were excited for him to be after a strong finish to his 2022 campaign. So no votes. I'm also surprised that Matt Milano went all the way up to number three. He was number six for me. That feels right. Of course, it's my ballot, so of course it feels right. But number three, man, that's huge. Top three most important player on the Bills is Matt Milano. I think a lot of that had to do with the voting and how the voting, um, how the panel saw Von Miller and Trey White. You know, there were some there were some people that left Von Miller and Trey White off of their ban- their ballots. And so I think some of the discrepancies with a few of us having them high, I had those those people, I had Miller three and Trey White four. Some people didn't have them in there at all. And so I think that is something that led to Matt Milano, who everybody had about in the middle. You average it up together, I think that kind of bumped them up. But I, I certainly a player worthy of the list, but number three was was not something I fully expected. Uh, some general thoughts on the project here. I really like the mix of players that ultimately made the consensus list. So again, the consensus top 10, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Matt Milano, Deion Dawkins, Greg Rousseau at five, Von Miller, six, Trey White, Dalton Kincaid, Spencer Brown, Kyer Elam. Got a really nice balanced mix of players here. You got eight draft picks. So eight players that Brandon Bean drafted plus two that he didn't, one being Stefan Diggs, the other being Von Miller. So I like that, that the core foundation of the players that we perceive as the most important are players that were draft picks. That's good. I like the the positional distribution here. You have your starting quarterback. You have a wide receiver, two offensive tackles, two defensive ends, two corners, a tight end, and a linebacker. And so you talk about the most important positions for you to get right for a football team. It's quarterback, offensive tackle, receiver on offense. It's edge and corner on defense, and the Bills are well-represented in those areas. I like that there's a nice mix of young players and veterans. So you have only one player over 30 years old in Von Miller. The average age here is 26.7 years old, which I think is a pretty healthy number. You have your last three first-round picks in Kyrie Elam, Gregory Rousseau, and Dalton Kincaid. And so I like how those those players are generally perceived to to get to this point to be on this list. So I like that. A few more general thoughts. I think everyone's sleeping on Trey White. And I know that Trey White was still number seven, but this guy, this guy can be a big time impact playmaker for this defense. And I thought he was a little low at number seven. I'm really encouraged that Greg Rousseau went from 10 in 2022 to five 
right? That that signals a lot of belief in who he is as a player, his trajectory, right? It's not just my perception here. This is 11 people combined to do this. And um, there was a lot of love for Greg Rousseau. And, and that was something that really encouraged me in working through this project. And I'm also encouraged that Spencer Brown made the list. You know, I mean, and he wasn't even on my ballot. But the fact that this panel collectively didn't completely dismiss the idea that, hey, he could be the guy at right tackle. And he's going to be this year, right? The Bills didn't do a single thing. They brought back David Questenbury. That's it at tackle. They didn't draft anybody, didn't pay anybody in free agency. This is Spencer Brown's job. And so while we all recognize he's been inconsistent and needs to play better, the fact that this panel voted him in and and not even like the number 10 player. He was number nine. He was number 13 last year. I mean, wasn't even in it last year. So I, 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 I like that. That encourages me a lot. And then the last thing I'll say here is, is once again on Deion Dawkins, Deion Dawkins has been in the top five of our list each of the last two years. Like I said, already back-to-back pro bowls entering his seventh season as the bills left tackle um, dude's just been really, really steady and a player that I really admire on this roster, which is really crazy to me because I get some like weird feedback on Deion Dawkins. Like he's not universally loved. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get that at all. Like you can, I can, I can see a lot of sides of things and, and understand different perspectives, but the fact that there's just like a random people that interact with me and say things about Deion Dawkins like that. He's not that good or he, they're concerned about him. I don't get it. That's one, th- that's one that I just don't get, but the panel gets it. Got him at number four this year. Again, top five back-to-back years. All right, folks, that's it for today on the podcast. That's it for this series on the 10 most important players to the future of the Buffalo Bills. I hope that you've done your list. Um, I've really appreciated those of you that have shared that with me. It's been really cool to see as many different ideas and thoughts is possible on this. So uh, don't, if you, if you want to share yours, put it in the YouTube comments, share it on Twitter. Uh, All that stuff is really, really appreciated. Uh, Tomorrow we're planning on herd mentality. I know that we're a little bit late this week to get to it. So got a bunch of people to respond to and and put that show together for tomorrow. Again, join the subtext community, talked about the giveaway and all the perks uh, for that earlier. Again, the link to join the subtext community is in the show notes for today. All right, folks. As always, I kindly ask that you share, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.